This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome in. Hope everyone is doing well. Um, I'm excited to, to be here on this wonderful Monday night uh, after a, a very short weekend. Um, thank you guys for coming in. My name is Jason, Mr. Mark of the Bearded Truth. I am your neighborhood-friendly libertarian. And uh, once again, thank you for coming in and, and enjoying your Monday night with me. Um, as always, Monday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern, right about that time. And um, I want to first give a big thank you to Muddy Waters of Media for allowing me to, to use this platform in order to talk about the, the issues, the politics, the social issues um, that are going on not only in this country, but also around the world. Give you guys my spin on things and be able to, to help drive the it's important that we have the, uh, the individual um, in mind whenever we talk about the changes of what's going on. So there's a lot of oh I completely forgot to share this out. Um, a lot of a lot of 
big news has been breaking over the last couple of days. And uh, it's very important that we we discern the information, that we analyze the information, that we understand who the winners and who the losers are supposed to be in these instances. And, and we fight to ensure that um, any changes made, that the end result is bettering the lives of, of those we, we seek to provide for. Now, oftentimes what we see from legislators and from, from changes that are being implemented is that the desired effect is not the, not the actual outcome. And, and so certainly that is a big issue that we're, we're going to cover tonight with a couple of different topics, not, not only of the topics of what we've listed there on YouTube and Facebook channels. Um, but if you guys, if you guys are following in from Periscope, I will just read you guys the synopsis. Important to wait. I'm sorry. Um, so tonight, Jason talks about some of the topics that may offend, trigger, or just make you want to go crazy. Trump calls people's names, and the media report responds as if he was a man of good character before and has recently stooped to this level. Chelsea Handler admits that Trump derangement syndrome hit her pretty hard. And uh, DHS is looking for a new face to lead the organization as Kirsten Nielsen is stepping down effective this upcoming Wednesday. Freedom of speech has been under fire recently around the world. Two stories that we're going to be covering. The first in Australia and the second, the second uh, in Sacramento, California. Both of these stories are, are um, well, all of these stories are have much value, and they need to, they really need to be handled um, with with honesty. Now it's very difficult. It's very difficult for some of the media to do this stuff. So that's why you guys come to alternative media sources. This is why you guys go to the boogie bumper. This is why you guys go to the real James politics or real person politics, James. Um, this is why you guys go to muddy waters of freedom. This is why you listen to spike and Matt on Tuesday nights as they discern this information and, and spin it in a very comedic way, but also in a very telltale way, um, that, um, there, there is huge monumental issues in this country that need to be addressed. I first want to start off with the, uh, the topic um, that Trump called Secret Service Director Dumbo because of his ears. Ooh, President Trump mocking somebody else. The media be- became quickly um, enamored with this story and outraged, just absolutely outraged. That President Trump previously made fun of his Secret Service director's appearance by calling him Dumbo because of his ears. Ooh. Two officials said that they, they had seen this. Randolph Tex Alice was the name, the name um, of this individual. And the media is taking this as if this is the first time that President Trump has has mocked other people. President Trump makes a if, if you guys haven't realized this, if you guys are not Trump-based, if you guys are not Trump supporters um, or involved with people that are, one of the things that Trump has always been loved and adored by his, by his supporters is the fact that he has quite comical names. We've used some of those names here on this show. Um, you know, Shifty, Adam Schiff. Uh, why am I blanking on these? Lion Comey. The man has had names for people 
And whether it's about their physical appearance, whether it's about their integrity, whether it's about their character, the man has made names of four people. This is not a first time, and it's not it's not something that should be uh, so newsworthy as what they're what they're doing here. Uh, the problem is is that the media has what they expect their base to be. And so when they when they call this stuff out, they're like, oh, look at this. Trump is once again showing that he is not of the most upstanding character. This isn't news for anybody. If you feel as if this is going to change the hearts and minds of anyone, you're not paying attention to politics at all. You're not paying attention to what side you're talking to. Um, you may be emboldening your side to where they're going to be outraged. And this is this is going to be the final tick. This is going to be the thing that pushes them over the edge. And, and they're going to now fight and advocate for 2020 to go to the Democratic president, um, however unlikely that looks. But at the end of the day, you're not, you're not saying anything. This is all white noise. When you constantly go after arguably really stupid things uh, you know there's plenty of viewers here that have probably made fun of my looks in some ways that's fine make fun of my looks it doesn't mean a damn thing so when the media spins up about this stuff it, it really is telling just of how little that they actually care about things and while we talk about this trump mocks leftist press mocks trump the apple in the tree is the same DNA. Media has no moral authority on this. Oh, absolutely right. Fatone? Uh, Tony. Fatini. Oh, I apologize. I am horrible at pronouncing names sometimes. Um, yes, absolutely right. The apple in the tree is the same DNA. Absolutely right on that. The media, who has been mocking so many people, has attacked Trump for multiple different ways. Uh, you remember when uh, President Trump had his health assessed? And they accused the doctor, they accused the doctor of being biased and being corrupt and, and just trying to push the narrative that President Trump is, is, is somehow healthier than what he really is when he's just a gluttonous fool and he doesn't even know how to drink water. The media has been all over President Trump for anything and everything, but they, they, they truly do act as if they are somehow sitting in a fortified house and that house happens to be made of glass when the actuality comes through. Um, while we're talking about Trump, I do want to, I do want to get into, um, um, I do want to get into something good that president Trump did, because if we're going to talk, if we're going to talk down about Trump, of course, it's important that we talk about some of the good things that he's doing. Oh, Ooh, I apologize. I I am extremely apologetic for this. Uh, this was news to me, um, but I had missed this. This was actually was from from December of last year, but it's still it's still a good piece of information that we need to share. So Trump had back in December uh, officially legalized industrial hemp. Um, this was a bill that was pushed by Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, Rand Paul, Jeff Merkley, and Ron Wyden. So two Republicans, two Democrats on the bill, um, and this bill was introduced to legalize hemp, which was ultimately included in the farm bill. So that farm bill that, that really did push for socialism, push for redistribution of wealth, pushed for uh, protectionism of our farmers as the tariffs were affecting everything, this was pushed into there. Um, it's, it's always good to see legalizing something. Right, legalize whatever it is. I, I'm 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 of that mindset that when you allow when you allow more freedom, when you allow for more markets, the only thing that you're hurting is quote unquote the black market. 
You're not hurting individuals, especially not this the the hemp. So when it when it comes to hemp, why is hemp such a a beautiful product? Why is it such a good? Why is it? Why is it such a, a, an amazing good? Because not only is it, does it grow at a rate much faster than trees to where we can make paper with it, but you can make clothing with it. You can make um, a whole litany of things. Um, there, there are plenty of, of great things that you can do with hemp, and it's not even one of the, um, what, what is the word? It's not one that will make you intoxicated. It won't make you high. It doesn't have the THC in it. And so this isn't for medicinal reasons that hemp is being legalized, but, but merely to allow for, um, for us to be able to produce paper, cardboard. Um, let me see if, if they actually have a list in here. Um, so the Farm Bill helps remove the obstacles farmers face in growing hemp, including restricted access to banking, water rights, crop insurance. Hemp is easier to grow than cotton, koi, or corn, or soybeans. That's right, soy boys. Sorry, you're out. Um, as it requires little water and can be viable in lower quality soil that is not practical for other crops. The hemp provision is just one of several aspects of the Farm Bill meant to aid farmers as exports of agricultural products such as soybeans take a hit as Trump engages in bitter trade war with China and other countries. So this was a way in order to make it much better. Vitamins, medicine, oil, medicine, oil building materials, clothes, tons of stuff. Exactly. There's a whole entire ridiculous list of things that, that are on there, as well as what the Declaration of Independence was written on. Um, so there, uh, the list for hemp and why it is good and why it is great um, is, is plentiful. Why it took us until 2018, the end of 2018, for this to be legalized, I have no idea. It seems as if there might have been a business out there. There might have been a corporation. There might have been a market out there that was actually was thriving because they were, they were stepping in the way. They were stepping in the way of, of other producers, of other goods from being able to hit the market. And that's something that I want you guys to remember. Just remember that little part that usually whenever there's a call for a uh, call for more regulation or a call to make something illegal or to prevent something from becoming legalized, usually it's because there's something to be gained by those who are calling for it. And so I want you to remember that message because we're going to get back to that later on in the show. And um, it's going to be important. So just just hold on to that little little nugget of information. Um, it's, in, it's vindicated through and through. So while we, while we talk about some of the, the, the actual positive effects of what Trump has, has pushed – and, and the Republicans and Democrats, this was bipartisan on those sides. Um, I want to talk about Trump derangement syndrome. And now Trump derangement syndrome is something that I've covered uh, quite a few times, as, as most people that um, are objective um, can see that it's true, right? The, the left, the Democrats, they, it, it's, it's palpable at this point that you can, you can point at somebody who is has Trump derangement syndrome. It is somebody that is um, just utterly disgusted with the idea that you could be Republican, that you could be conservative, that you could be libertarian, that you could believe in free markets, that you don't believe in, in big government and all of these other things. Um, Trump derangement syndrome is really an issue, right? It, it's, it's not just on an individual basis, but when you have media sources, when you have um, journalists, when you have news anchors, when you have opinion um, 
video show hosts that have Trump derangement syndrome and that are incapable and unable to look at things objectively, they push out a lot of nonsensical bull that really does spur up and and cause a lot of hysteria and terror. And it it really does just tear at the fabric of this country. Um, And and Trump derangement syndrome has, has been a huge issue. Well, Chelsea Handler finally comes out and admits that Trump's 2016 win sent her to the shrink. And it hooked her on the marijuana's. It hooked her on the weed. She was so devastated. Comedian, here's how the story goes. Comedian and activist Chelsea Handler shared Friday that she is to seek out a psychiatrist after Donald Trump's victory in 2016 presidential election. Handler explained during the appearance on Real Time with Bill Maurer that she went through a midlife identity crisis. That's right. President Trump shocked the world by defeating Hillary Clinton, and shook her to her core. She had never felt her life feel so unhinged. That's a quote from her. Now, I, I want to get into this, this paragraph here, because if Trump being elected to office never made her life feel so unhinged, this next paragraph really is going to put a lot a lot into perspective. I'm going to read it in in its entirety. I had to pay a psychiatrist to listen to me bitch about Donald Trump for about the first three weeks. And then once we got past that and got to real stuff, I realized the parallel there was my world becoming unhinged when I was a little girl. My brother died when I was nine years old. That's right. Her brother died when she was nine years old. And she had never been so unhinged as to when the president of the United States was elected into office. Now, this is this is a really, really telling stance if the president of the united states getting elected causes you this much anguish this much turmoil this much destruction to your emotional character the ability for you to to survive day to day is just too much to bear then the president of the United States has way too much authority, has way too much control over the lives and the aspects of of everyday Americans. But I digress because she she is not one of those people that wants less government. She's one of those that wants bigger government. It it really is one of those uh, cognitive dissonances, right? I want more government, but I don't want the, the people I don't want to have the bigger government, but I know it swings both ways. I just don't know how to live my life. Well, if you don't want your enemies to have that power, you don't want to have your allies have it, having it either. Um, she continues on. I had never related the two, but for me, as I can imagine, it must have been for so many people. It was an emotional trigger of everything being destabilized. And now I realized how spoiled and privileged I am that I had been all my life and to realize that to be this upset and to be this on a 10 every day and the outrage and the anger, I just wanted to fucking fight people, you know? And I was like, I have to go see a psychiatrist. It's good that her Trump derangement and that, that somebody being elected in office was enough to make her deranged, that she didn't actually go out there and, and start fighting people, but she went and saw a psychiatrist, it, it, you know, it, 
she might need a little more than that if this is this is how riled up you get over over somebody being elected there there really is something that m- must be said and and certainly this is this is applicable for people on both sides of the aisle um but it seems like it's for me at least from the way that i've been looking at this that there's a, a larger population on the left that does this than on the right. And that when you don't get your way, you become unhinged. You become, like she said, so privileged that I didn't get my way. And my life is just in a complete disarray. And I how do I handle myself? President Obama was one of those presidents that um, many people vehemently disagreed with and even, even hated. But when he came into presidency, what they did was, was some of them, became objective and they held a standard to them and and some of them became deranged became hysterical became a lunatic became a giant windbag of a bunch of nonsensical bullshit she was one of the one of the latter and and i'm sure that we can all point to people on both sides of the aisle that have done it for trump as well as president obama even george w bush all the way back to whenever you got into politics i'm sure you could find people on both sides of the aisle that really did have this it's not just because a democrat even democrats could have done it for obama and and certainly we see a lot of republicans that are doing that for trump it, it's just there is a level of I am so comforted in my life. I have such an easy life that I can become so outraged over something that shouldn't have that much of an ask or have that much of a change in my life that it really is a telltale. Mm. Here's a statement that I, I, I don't know if I agree with it or believe it, but she says, I'm a more mindful citizen because of it. And I woke up. I am in, in an awakening. Handler continued. Mm. She also said that Trump's election led her to smoking the marijuanas and pivoting away from alcohol, calling cannabis the gateway drug to mediation or meditation. I mean, there, there, there may be some accuracy with that. The reports go that when you smoke pot, you really don't do much. You sit down, you think things through, you talk about things. You might chuckle, you might laugh, you might have a good time. You might eat, eat some Cheetos. You might eat some Cheetos dipped in ketchup. You, you might eat some, some weird concoctions. But, uh, but you don't find people smoking the pot, smoking the Mary Janes, and uh, going out there and being reckless with their lives. You see them kind of mellowing out a little bit, and that's one of the – the desired side of side effects for many a people. And so it's a good thing that she's able to chill out and, and keep on keeping on with that. Chelsea handler, keep, keep smoking the pots and uh, slow down on your life and, and realize that maybe just maybe we could be a little more objective. We can find the good in things and we can, we can certainly criticize when actual bad things are bad, not just because somebody called somebody Dumbo. <laughs> I mean, for say, or for, for God's sake, we're all adults here. We've all been called names. Names are not nice. It's not nice to make fun of somebody who just made it to a thousand friends on his Facebook page. And, and despite the fact that you want to start up a podcast with them, despite the fact that you helped bring them into the libertarian movement, despite the fact of a lot of things, you could be Shane Sweeney <laughs> coming after and kicking me when I'm down, man. But um, <laughs> I digress on the personal story. Um, <laughs> it, it's We can... Can we be grown-ups about this stuff and say, yeah, you know what, Trump, don't call people Dumbo. It's not cool. It's, it, it, it can be funny. It can be comical, but it's not cool. We don't need to get the, the entire media up in a tizzy over this. We really don't. So while we're talking 
I realize a lot of the show tonight is going to be about Trump. We'll, we will get away from Trump here in a little bit. I promise you. Two more stories on this, and then we will be moving into much bigger uh, Cheetos dipped in barbecue sauce. That sounds interesting. Um, two more stories with Trump, and then we will be moving away from Trump. We'll be talking about a little bit of world news, and we'll also be talking about Sacramento. And then I will be opening up the phone lines for you guys. If you guys got topics you guys want to call in about, whether it's something we've covered already, Actually, three topics. I apologize. Um, something we've covered already tonight. Something new. Some some new idea. Something that's on your mind. You guys want to call in? The phone lines will be open tonight. Um, so, here's been something that I've been seeing a lot of people push on different social media platforms. This may not be you because I know people talking about economics, talking talking about revenue, talking about spending and all those things. It's not necessarily something that a lot of people, regardless of how politically involved they are, um, is not something that everyone gets involved with. And that's okay. No problem. Everyone's got their forte. Everyone's got their their little uh, cracks in the politics that they dive into. And that's 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 where their goal, that's where they're going to. But um, there's been there's been some some malfeasance. There's been some lies that have been promulgated. And the idea that the Trump administration is spending money at a slower rate, that debt is going down, that um, the deficit is going down, any of these things, they're, they're, they're unequivocally false. And so this is coming from Conservative Review. Conservative Review, so right-wing source, uh, a very strong economy is one key to debt reduction, but spending restraint is a necessary component that must be vigorously pursued. Those are the words of the GOP platform adopted at the 2016 convention, nearly three years later, following two years of GOP trifecta control of the House, Senate, and White House. Spending for the first six months of the fiscal year is 13.7% higher than Obama's final year, despite the best job market in decades. That's right. The economy is booming. It is doing great. It's fantastic to see the growth in the economy. That still means that you got to cut, cut spending. Despite the best job market in decades, the debt under the GOP control has surged even higher than under Obama putting to rest the notion that a good economy can grow its way out of a spending binge this deep. Excessive government spending inhibits economic growth. On Friday, the CBO released its monthly review for March, which which also tallied the spending and debt figures for the first half of the fiscal year of 2019, despite a 1% increase in the revenue. So revenue is still going up. Despite the fact that revenue is going up, the deficit for just the first six months of the fiscal year is $693 billion. That's right, $0.7 trillion, $94 billion more than this time last year. That is because spending has increased by 5% over the last year. So 1% increase in revenue, 4% or 5% increase in spending, 4% increase in the, in the deficit. This is not good for the country. This is not good uh, for the $22 trillion that we are in debt right now as a nation. That means that you and every single one of your family members, your friends, all have a tax burden on you for the rest of your lives. Enjoy that because you will never be able to pay this down because the interest rates are just absolutely exorbitant and you'll never be able to handle this. The calls for a Calvin Coolidge must be heard. We need a president to come in and to be a strong advocate for cutting the spending. The revenue is important. Have a booming economy. How do we get a booming economy? Get the government out of the way. Get the government out of the way of of commerce and of enterprise. 
Once you do that, like what we've seen with President Trump and the economy here in, in the country, that booms. What also needs to happen? You cut your spending. If you are in debt, spending more money does not get you out of debt. Spending less money will help you get out of debt. When money is just printed with no real backing, the deficit will always be the rolling snowball. Absolutely right, Jesse Miller. Absolutely right. It is important. It is vital that we get away from the fiat system, that we move towards some form of of money backed by something. Despite what Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has said, and just print enough money to handle all of our, our debts and our deeds, it doesn't actually work. Venezuela, a couple thousand percent. Multiple thousands of percents of inflation. They are now, it is more valuable to use your money, to use your bills, to wipe your ass with, rather than use toilet paper. Because toilet paper, you you have to use more of those bills to get the toilet paper. Might as well just wipe with it, bring it back to the government and say, hey, this one's dirty. Can I get a new one? This one fell on a stripper. Can I get a new one? Sorry, I I had a spill on the ground. I had to wipe it up with something. My paper towels are gold. And sell these on the market right now. Pay off my rent for the next six months. There needs to be fiscal responsibility. And certainly that is not something that we saw from any, really, I mean, honestly, any of the presidents in the past, any of the Congresses in the past. How often are we actually, 25,000%, thank you, um, how often are we actually in a surplus? Oh, Let's actually, I, I, let me, let me Google that. I apologize for not having this, um, last year, U S surplus. Let's see when we were 2001, we were in, according to the CBO, the United States had a budget surplus during the fiscal year of 2001. So, for the last 18 years, we've been running a deficit. Mm. That's not a good time. It's never a good time to be running this. The only president to ever run as and run a surplus the entire time was Calvin Coolidge, my favorite president. Between Calvin Coolidge... Um, well, Calvin Coolidge is currently a number one president on my list, uh, because he was somebody that said, look, not my, not my, not my authority, not my, not my power, right? He was somebody that respected on a lot of, on a lot of, of stances. He respected the, uh, presidential authorities and powers. Um, second one is, is Harrison and, and Harrison is one that's brought up by a lot of libertarians because the man was only in, in, in office for 31 days before he passed. Um, why was why was it, why was he so good? He obviously couldn't destroy the country in any way. Um, these are these are important things for us to understand that you have to cut the spending and and work towards removing this debt. Eventually, it gets to the point where the conspiracy theories that uh, America is just a cash cow for for this country, that country, and everything else. Eventually, that becomes kind of the mainstream idea when when there's no concern, there's no. Hey, let's actually reduce the debt. We did have President Trump on the campaign trail say, hey, we're going to get rid of the national debt by the end of my second term. And thus far, not a scintilla of hope that this is going to be coming true. Um, so 
we'll we'll sit by, we'll sit idly by and hope that this does come through eventually, but I'm not holding my breath for this. While we talk about spending, <laughs> while we talk about spending, I do want to go bounce away from Trump and then back to Trump. Um, so Bernie Sanders, if you guys remember, he was one of the supporters. He's been a supporter for a long time for Medicare for all, for single payer systems, for nationalizing the healthcare, for however you want to describe of making it where the entire nation has to pay for the healthcare of everybody within it. Um, Bernie Sanders is now going to be rolling out an updated Medicare for all proposal this upcoming Wednesday. This is coming from the Hill. Sanders, who is against seeking the Democratic, who is again, again seeking the Democratic nomination for president, despite the fact that he's an independent, uh, will unveil the bill alongside Senate co-sponsors, some of whom are candidates for presidency. The only one that have been... Um, that have said on this new bill coming out that they would support it is Booker. Gillibrand, Harris, Warren's office did not respond, did not reply to the request. Um, But if we go back to 2017, the last time that this bill was pushed out there, uh, Cory Booker, Gillibrand, Harris, and Warren all supported this. And now that they are the president, do we support this other presidential candidate or do we just try to figure out our, our own way, our own path to implement the same darn thing? Problem with Medicare for Medicare for all, and how that situation goes is that there really is a trifecta when it comes to a market. There's this trifecta, and one of those is only only there by really by force or by allowing the market to be completely unregulated. Um, the first two, the the arguably the only important ones, is quality and cost. The third one is a universality. If you want everybody to have something, if you want everybody to have something, it means you need to, to deregulate it, right? If we look at televisions across this country, how many poor people, how many people in Section 8 housing, how many people that live paycheck to paycheck, how many people that uh, really can't afford much, they're living you know, in, in shambles, own a TV? I would argue most people, right? Most people. Not everyone, but most people. TVs are extremely cheap. They've never had government regulation or really heavy controls. Government's never gotten involved with them. The prices of televisions have been dropping drastically over time. If you want to have everyone have it, get get the mark or the government out of the way. If you try to implement the government to control in Medicare for all, national health care, all these things, what the end result is is that you're going to take away either from the uh, the cost, right? So you're going to raise the rates of, of how much this costs or you're going to reduce the quality. We can point to different markets right now. We can point to different countries right now that have national health care um, and, and where it is either the cost is, is the demands for more money is growing when with Finland and the UK right now, their national healthcare systems are failing. They're failing right now because they have not thrown enough money at this because they're not taking enough. They're not extorting enough from their people in order to continue to provide the healthcare systems that they have implemented. And so both the UK and Finland are looking to how are we going to get away from this? How are we going to back away from this? 
Um, what are we, what are we going to do? How are we going to get out of this and, and provide better healthcare? If you want to look at it from the other side where, where countries are saying, look, we're going to keep the, the cost down. We're going to keep the cost down. You can look at Canada. You can look at Puerto Rico. Um, and Puerto Rico specifically is my favorite one to, to, to discuss on this. But when you, when you look at Puerto Rico, they, they put a price control on how much the hospitals make, on how much the doctors make, on how much the facilitators make, on how much the janitors inside the hospitals make, the nurses. Everybody had a cap. And when you put those caps on there, people realize I'm doing a lot more work than what I'm being paid. Do I really want to stay in this job? Do I want to continue to provide for others? When others are able to work in markets and make more money than me, doing less stuff, doing less important things, I mean, what's more important than saving lives? Why is there a cap? And so people get out of those markets. They get out of those fields. And Puerto Ricans were fleeing to other countries to where they can continue to provide the same goods and services to others, but they could be paid a reasonable wage. So Puerto Rico now has a shortage of doctors. They have a shortage of facilities. And they're because of the controls that are still there, the regulation that is still there, no one is driving to come in there. No one is, is hopping on their rafts to come into Puerto Rico to help provide and support and, and give health care and give the humanitarian aid that's needed there. But instead, people are sitting there, they're dying they're suffering, they're waiting weeks, months on end to see surgeons, to see specialists for life, uh, threatening Ill- illnesses. It, it's not good. So if you want to, if you want to provide a better health care to this country, pushing towards the Medicare for all, pushing towards the national health care is not the desired effect is not going to be the outcome. We are going to pick pick which one ever you want. And if you look at the Medicare for all that was impl- or that was attempted in 2017 by Bernie Sanders, he was trying to push down those wages. The Green New Deal with their Medicare for all, they wanted to cut 40%. 40% of the money that's going to, to hospitals and healthcare providers. So you can see which ones that they're going towards. They're, while they say that they go towards the Nordic ones, while they say that look at look at Britain, look at the UK, look at look at Finland, look at Sweden, look at their healthcare, what they try to implement is oftentimes much more similar to Venezuela and Puerto Rico. It's a huge issue, very huge issue that not many people are picking up on. So we will see this come out on Wednesday. We will see. The Bernie bros will see the lefties jump and exclaim how proud they are and how thankful they are that Bernie Sanders is coming out and pushing this nonsense once again. It is not going to be for the benefit of us. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hop back over to Trump for a quick minute. Department of Homeland Security Secretary Kirsten Nielsen is leaving Wednesday. Will her replacement be worse? Reason Roundup. So this is from Reason, as I said, um, one of my favorite news sources. Nationalized healthcare is a terrible idea that would devastate healthcare across our nation. Absolutely right, Red. Absolutely right. Kirsten Nielsen announced on Sunday that she'll be stepping down as the DHS Customs and Border Protection, or uh, as 
the head of DHS. Customs and Border Protection Chief uh, McEllen, McAll, whatever, Mickey, (laughs) I can't pronounce the name tonight, will then become the acting secretary of DHS. Uh, Her resignation comes less than a year half, a year and a half after she's replaced John Kelly. Now, if you guys are like, oh, John Kelly, that name sounds familiar. Yes, that is the current chief of staff. Um, I'm sorry. He was the chief of staff until January. Wow. Um, So she replaced John Kelly. And her and Trump have never been on great terms. Why why has Trump and, and Kirsten never been on good terms? Or great terms, because despite the fact that she has been uh, a strong supporter of the the law and following through on kind of what Trump has wanted to, she doesn't do it to the effectiveness of what Trump has been desiring. Trump has been a a hawk on the border, whether it's it's what you agree with or or not, it it's true, right? He's been a hawk on the border. He's he's found that to be his campaign slogan throughout the 2016 election. It's been something that's been hit on time and time and time and time again. It seems like if they're not talking about the Russia Gate scandal, they're talking about Trump and the border um, from the media's point of view. And and Nielsen has arguably been been the most aggressive secretary in the department's short history in cracking down on immigration, with her legacy likely being defined among progressives by the zero tolerance prosecution policy of late spring and early summer of 2018 that resulted in the separations of thousands of families at the U.S.-Mexican border. None of it appears to be enough for Trump. Nielsen's resignation was preceded on Thursday night by the abrupt withdrawal of the nomination of acting immigration and or ICE director Ron uh, Vitilio to formally lead the agency. With Trump telling reporters Friday mo- morning that he wanted to go in a tougher direction. While it's not yet clear whether Trump requested Nielsen's resignation or not, it certainly appears as a if that tougher direction is extending to a new DHS secretary with nearly a hundred thousand migrants apprehended by border patrol agents along the U S Mexico border in March, Trump is yet again, ruminating angrily and obsessively over immigration. This is coming from a progressive. This isn't coming from reason. This is a quote from, from somebody's article rifling in speeches about telling migrants we're full and go back. I do want to point out when he says Telling migrants we're full and to go back, he's talking about illegal immigration. And Trump has recently been quoted as saying that he actually wants to open up legal immigration in this country. Right now, we're sitting at a million per year. Right now, he's okay with a million per year, but he actually wants to open it up. And and what he points to is what a lot of libertarians have been pointing to. If the economy is booming, that means you're going to need more people. You're going to need more labor. You're going to need more people filling into the positions, filling into the new jobs, into the market that are being opened up by a booming economy. And so President Trump recently has been saying such, and that's fantastic. It's good to see him wanting to open up on the immigration side of things, opening up on the legal immigration. And something that I've been a fan of for, you know, whether it was when I was conservative years ago or whether now, even as a libertarian, I'm in favor of legal immigration. 100%. When it comes to legal immigration, we, we can have discussions. But when it comes to legal immigration, if you can vet somebody and you can, you can you know, there's a request, there's consent on both sides, fantastic. Open that up. There's, there, there really isn't a reason to have a limit on those 
things. Um, sure, we can have a discussion into assimilation and all those topics, but as, as a gist of things, open it up. So President Trump has been faltering on this, and I think it's good the way that he's been faltering. I, I hope Rand Paul is getting into him and, and, and helping sway that a little bit, and, and I'm excited for that. But there's so many concerns with who's coming in. Who's going to be replacing Nielsen? Well, Kevin Mick. If he is, he's a career border officer. He looks the part better than Nielsen, but he's not the dude who blames the Democrats for everything or talks of invasion. And he, like any other human on earth, can't physically stop migrants from setting foot on U.S. soil, says Dara Lind. This is the same progressive that was being discussed about. When it comes to this entire topic, though, this is this has been something that I've been talking about. This is something I've been pushing, and, and I hope that this isn't falling on deaf ears. But the policy that Trump wants and the outcomes that he has promised aren't within the power of the White House or the Department of Homeland Security. This is a requirement that he must be involved with, with Congress and, and arguably needs to actually change the Constitution. There needs to be an amendment there. Because many people, when they talk about this, they talk about um, Article 4, Section 4, being able to stop the invaders. Uh, invaders are not economic migrants. Invaders are, are people coming here to um, promote terror, coming here to cause destruction to this land. And so you don't get a, to lay the blanket across everyone and say everyone's an invader. No, it has to be a military force that's trying to come into this country. And, and so there needs to be some some honest conversations about the the value of words and that would mean that he not only has to get congress on board with his ideas and what he wants but he also may need to come down to changing up the constitution a little bit to get exactly what he wants so as people get weary as people get scared over who's replacing mrs nielsen don't be it's really not that big of a deal because at the end of the day, we know who's pulling the strings. We know who's who's in control of this all, and it's not us. And that's that's for damn sure. That is for damn sure. So I'm gonna play a video for you guys. Um, if you guys know who Kevin Boltz is, we're gonna we're gonna sling on over to Sacramento City Council. This was posted last month, and, and I was debating on if I should cover it or not because he does use a little bit of, a, of, of violent language. He, you can tell that he's in an uproar, but I think that there's much value in this. And so um, I'm going to play this for you guys, and uh, hopefully this, would, this will work out quite well for you guys. Um, all right. So this is Kevin Boltz, and he's talking – to Sacramento City Council over Stefan Clark's killing. Now, trigger warning. I know, I know there may be some 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 of you that maybe get offended over this, but he does use some pretty strong terms. And I think that uh, certainly some of it is vindicated. I'm gonna start by addressing something you said when you came right back in. You said if we acted in the fashion we did again, this meeting could not go on. Yet multiple people have been killed by these motherfuckers and stuff on. It has, no, shut up. It has continued to go on. So you care more about decorum in here than you do people who are alive. Because you've shut down meetings over decorum. Stop looking at me like that. You're so immature. But you haven't shut them down over killing people. 
My journey with Sacramento killing black people began with Joseph Mann. So I want you guys to, to realize he is outraged. He is upset. He is angered. He, he is a lot of things. Take some of the bombastic things that he's saying. Bring it down to a reasonable level and listen to the message that he's saying. This is something that, that I, I think that would be beneficial for us, regardless of what side we're on. When we listen to people that are outraged, it's easy to go, oh, he's crazy, he's violent, he's a lunatic, he's just out there and he's deranged. Let's listen to him. Let's listen to him a little bit. A human being in need of emergency medical attention, he was instead met with the care of SAC PD in the form of, fuck this guy, I'm going to hit him, Officer Tennis. So he's, he's talking about specific events, and he's going to lead into to Stephon Clark here in a second. But it's, it's important that we see there are many people that have been, whether it's intentional or not, have, have not had the wool pulled off from over their eyes, that there have been absolute police atrocities that have been justified, not justified, that have been defended and protected by the state. To put it in simple terms, the state said the state did nothing wrong. And oftentimes, it's not accurate. The state does things wrong, and they're never held accountable for it. We see this with our politicians. We see this with, with our government officials. We see this with, with just your average Joe Schmo that's in government. And we certainly see that with the police. And he's raising awareness for this. And, and, and we're going to come from this story, and we're going to follow it up to what happened this last week. But I, I, it's important that we, we hear this out. Remember what he's saying. Last year, Stephon Clark, a human being, regardless of accused activities, toxicology reports, or relationship status, was a human being with a Fourth Amendment right, who instead was criminalized due to his race and murdered in a state-sanctioned execution. You can't even look at me, I'm so right. Last evening, I watched an overfunded and hyper-militarized force. Not when he's talking about this, there was a protest the night before. And 84 protesters, 84 people coming out and, and discussing and, and asking for um, to be heard were arrested. Now, there was some, some actions of aggression out there, and some people may, may, have, been, it may have been warranted for them to, to, be, to be detained. But 84 people is a gross exaggeration of, of the truth of that. And he comes on the night after. This is, this is where this comes to. And this is where, when a lot of people speak about how the police force have become fascists, they have become um, controlling, manipulative. He brings some truth to this, and, and we'll, we'll get into it as well. Police occupational force agitate protesters instill fear and panic and then kettle them in in the classic kettle and corral tactic which by the way was started in the open air prison known as Palestine by Israeli police and taught to all police all over this country 
Now, I know a lot of people are going to hear that, right? Palestine, Israel, that's been that's been a huge point of contention for a lot of people. It's been something that a lot of people are worried about that, you know, we have to protect Israel. We have to protect Palestine. We have to, you know, condemn Israel, condemn Palestine. And, and regardless of what side you're on, I want you guys to, to realize something, that there were Palestinians living in Israel that were pushed out through eminent domain, that were pushed out by force by the Israelis. And regardless on if how long they lived on those farmlands, regardless of how long their families have had roots in that area, um, they were forced out. And, and some of the atrocities was the way that they were pushed out. And, and he's speaking about that and the way that the police force we're able to do that, right? You rile up people once the, once they're feeling danger, once they're feeling threatened. Oh, what a vile beast. That animal becomes dangerous when threatened. How much we pay to learn that? The underlying factor of all these cases is SAC law enforcement dehumanizes people on our dollars and with your agreement. This is where it's important that whenever we have an actual situation, when we have an atrocity that's committed, it requires blind justice. Blind justice. If if a person, an average Joe, was to commit the same action as what a police officer would do, would you hold that person accountable for their decisions, for their for their actions? Or would you let them go in the same? And oftentimes when we look at the atrocities committed by police officers across this country. It is not blind, nor is it justice. When was the last time you were dehumanized? Because I think it's about time. Here's where we get into bombastic stuff. You have shown zero ability to empathize with us. You have shown less ability to care. You are all terrible officials, in my opinion, worse people. To quote Dr. King, a riot is the language of the unheard, and you ain't fucking listening. The last person who spoke before the singer said Anne-Marie Schubert has no soul. To quote Stokely Carmichael, in order for peaceful protest to work, your overseer has to have a conscience. You don't have one. You radicalized 84 people on a bridge last night for no reason. They showed up peacefully and were still arrested. Someone up here with all your education, explain to me why they should be peaceful next time. What is the onus? What is the impetus? You fucked them up when they were peaceful. So this is this is a very important thing because I know when it comes to being a libertarian, when it comes to be somebody that's not in favor of violating the non-aggression principle, basically I'm not somebody who's going to initiate force. But when you when you make demands and you say, I am not going to be a victimized by you, our society is not going to be victimized by something, and you continue to be persistent. In, in resisting the authoritarian um, actions of those appointed over you, those who take an oath to protect you and your constitutional rights. When you have that, eventually people want to be or people become outraged and and eventually some people snap. And, and we're going to as this continues on just with 13 seconds left, there's something that leads for something for some people to be concerned and actions were taken. You don't get it. You don't listen. You think it's going to stay like this. And I'm going to start right here and say, I don't speak for anyone else or any group out here. This city's going to burn in the next 30 to 60 days if you don't shut up and listen. I'm gonna start by so 
he says the city is going to burn if you don't listen in the next 30 to 60 days. That was enough for many people to be concerned, to be worried, to be outraged that this man was sitting there and threatening, threatening people. Because they weren't listening to what the protest was about. And so this was just a a couple days later. Cell phone video captured the moments the FBI showed up to a Sacramento man's home Monday afternoon. Kevin Boltz, bring him back. Kevin Boltz was prepared and used his cell phone to start streaming the encounter live. I saw them through my window, he said, so I immediately, immediately knew, oh, this is the FBI. Let's, let's, I'll, I'll play this one for you guys as well. Maybe I won't. Kevin Boltz was prepared. Saw them through my window. Cell phone streaming live. So I immediately knew, like, oh, this is the FBI. When three members of the FBI knocked so on the door in the afternoon. Right? And you can see the, the, the video. I apologize. It, it's too quiet. And so I'm just going to read it for you guys. Kevin Boltz was prepared, used his phone. And when the three members of the FBI knocked on his door... He is heard in the video asking them if they have a warrant. He refuses to speak to them when he is told they do not. He exercises his Fifth Amendment and his Fourth Amendment. If they do not have a warrant signed or affirmed by a judge under oath or affirmation, they don't have any authority to come into his home. He then asks them why they're there. Just statements you made at the Sacramento City Council meeting. We wanted clarification. There was a complaint. There was a... There was just a complaint. The day after more than 80 people were detained at a Stefan Clark protest in East Sacramento, Boltz went before city council members with some passionate and heated comments. Much what you guys heard. Played, it's fine. All right. From the Sacramento FBI office, how are you? He asked them if they have a warrant. Nope. Refuses to talk. I really don't want to talk to you then. And asks why they're there. Uh, just statements you made at the Sacramento uh, City Council meeting. We just wanted clarification. I went to a meeting and I expressed the frustrations of my community. Boltz's strong words for city leaders at the March 5th City Council meeting went viral. This city's going to burn in the next 30 to 60 days if you don't shut up and listen. In my opinion, I did not threaten anyone. I did not say I'm going to do these things. I was warning them. His comments... That's accurate. He did not threaten anyone. He just said this may ha- this will happen if you don't shut up and listen because somebody's going to click. Somebody out there will click. I did not say I'm going to do these things. I was warning them. His comments were in response to a Stefan Clark protest in East Sacramento that ended with more than 80 people detained. Bolt stands by his statements and his right to express himself. When was the last time you were dehumanized? Because I think it's about time. Members of the FBI told Boltz they were there to follow up on a complaint. In a statement, the FBI said, while we cannot offer comment about any specific matter or ongoing investigation, the FBI must investigate reports it receives. I guess they have to follow up on that, but at the same time, it's like, is that really what you need to spend your Monday afternoon doing? I mean... There's a lot of worse things going on. Bolt says he plans to continue expressing himself in front of city leaders despite this one-minute interaction with the FBI. And I, I, I really got to say, 
Thank you. Thank you to Bolt for stepping up and for saying something. It, it, it may not be the messaging that we all want to hear. It may not be the messaging that's the most acceptable that you can just really bite your teeth into and say, I'm 100% on board with you. But stepping up and saying, look, there are atrocities happening. And instead of actually looking at these things, instead of listening to the people that are claiming that, that there's a, a wrongdoing and injustices that are being committed on your watch, if you don't want to do that, then I'm going to come to you and I'm going to, I'm going to push this message. And so bravo to Bolt for doing this. Um, it, it, like I said, it's not something you have to agree with 100% on, but listen to the core of what he's saying. Listen to us. It is vital. It is important that when we say that there's something wrong, you don't just sweep it under the rug like what we've seen across this country time and time again. I'm not saying that every single time that somebody that Black Lives Matter or or this group or that group says that an atrocity happened, that it happened and that, that you know, the police were, were not justified in the actions that they took. But at least take an honest look at it, at least attempt to provide blind justice, because if you're not willing to do that, then I have no idea why what it is that you think you're doing in office. And so bravo to the man for, for pushing up for that. While we talk about that form of freedom of speech, the ability to come out and redress your grievances to government, coming out and being able to say what what is really burning in your soul to be reached out and to be heard by others. And thankfully, that video went viral. While we're talking about all of that, I want to take it to the other side. Let's talk about the atrocities. Do you think that it is in the best interests of 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 people, regardless of where you live, regardless of what country you're in, state, city, locality, whatever it is, do you think that it's more important that we can talk about anything and everything? Or do you think that there should be regulation control and limitations on what is allowed and what is not allowed? If you are of the former, I agree with you. If you are of the latter, you you might be agreeing with New Zealand, with Australia, and even with Pardon me. With Facebook itself. So since the shooting down in New Zealand, which I'm sure most of us remember, the uh, New Zealand mosque shooting of Christchurch, there has been extra criticism. There's been extra legislation. There's been a push towards controlling and limiting as much as possible in order to ensure that The safety and prosperity of all is there and acceptable. Australia's parliament passed legislation on Thursday that could imprison social media executives if their platforms stream real violence such as the New Zealand mosque shootings. Critics warn that some of the most restrictive laws about online communication in the democratic world could have unforeseen consequences. Absolutely true. Including media censorship and reduced investment in Australia. Who cares about Australia? Sorry, Boogie. But... When it comes to this, if we are going to say we don't like this speech, that speech, this event, that event, you can't talk about it, you can't display it, you can't share it, you can't have discussions about it, and we're going to hold not just those individuals discussing it, but the platforms in which they were using it, we're going to hold them accountable for allowing this, imagine or just just accept your speech for is gone. It is entirely removed. You can't criticize them. You can't criticize this. You can't criticize that. That's fine. You can't do that. Not on my platform. You're off. X nay. 
the idea that you should be free to speak about and to, to, to do as you please, if a platform doesn't want you on their platform, I don't want you anyways. But if they're going to push for legislation, like much like what they're doing here in or there in Australia, this is where you have to remember that message I was telling you guys about earlier that you guys got to keep in the back of your mind. Why is it that somebody would push for legislation control to make something illegal to keep something illegal? Because it benefits them. So what this law does, this law makes it a crime for social media platforms to not remove abhorrent violent material quickly. What does quickly mean? Ah, it's ambiguous. The crime would also be punishable by three years in prison and a fine of over 10.5 million Australian dollars or about 7.5 million American or 10% of the platform's annual turnover, whichever is larger. So if you're not making that much money as a small platform and, and you don't have that much control because you are a small platform and somebody shares something abhorrent, something, something that is violent and you don't get to it in time because you're small, guess what? Can't afford to stay afloat. So Facebook, of course, is all over this idea. Yeah, we can we can stomp out our competition. We can prevent them from growing. We can prevent them from being able to share out um, videos, discussions, and, and anything else because we are big, we are strong, we can handle these fines and fees, and we, we have the manpower, we have the control, we have the algorithms to be able to just absolutely go out and, ooh, wow, Breaking news, Representative Eric Swalwell, Mr. Nukes the World for Gun Control, is running for president. We'll get there. Um, when it, you know, This way they can control and they can prevent competition from coming in. So, of course, Facebook is going to be involved with this, right? Much like when we saw uh, net neutrality. Who were the big supporters of this? It was the Netflixes. It was the Facebooks. It was, it was the big media uh, or sorry, the big internet users, because it prevented the smaller guys from being able to have the same, same, or it, it hurts the smaller guys more than it hurts the big guys. And certainly this one is there. What's going on, Auntie Vodka? It's this stuff right here is the scary things that are happening around the world. This may happen in New Zealand. This may happen in, in Australia. This may happen in the UK. This may happen across Europe because we know that, um, as this article even says, they're looking to take this legislation and move it to the group of 20 countries forum as a model for holding social media companies accountable. Imagine holding people accountable for the voluntary interactions of others on their platform. So now you're making it to where you have to hire on more manpower to become a, a business. You have to make sure that your security forces, that your algorithms are, are tried and true and, and you have enough tech squad out there to make sure that nothing bad comes on your platform. Otherwise, I'm sure Facebook will be one of those platforms to help ensure that they get shut down. We saw Facebook. We saw Twitter. We saw Google. We saw all of these these speech crushing platforms dog all over gab.ai because gab.ai was like, no free speech all the way. Gab.ai is still struggling. It's been struggling. 
It's it's not easy to get a hold of Gab.ai, and its its population has been destroyed by the other big giant social media giants. Giant social media giants. That was that was really good, but um, it's been destroyed by them. Because they don't want their competition coming up. They don't want to be removed. They want to keep you, and they want to ensure that you don't talk about the things that they don't want you to talk about. I have personal friends who got banned off of Facebook, 30-day bans, for talking about atrocities that happened during the Holocaust. That happened for saying, yeah, for saying things such as, we're not going to give up our guns because the Jews taught us a very important lesson. And it was a picture of Jewish people being led onto the trains, forced onto trains, driven into Auschwitz, driven into death camps, and being killed, being slaughtered. We're not going to give up. And this is something that the world is turning a blind eye to. That we can't talk about things, we can't share the mistakes of the past because they encourage us to do the same. If they silence those who speak about freedom, eventually freedom is not in our vernacular. They're looking to guide us, to manipulate us, to control us, and to prevent us from being as free as possible. And this is this is something that is absolutely scary. And and I hope I hope that this is reaching to you guys. I really do. But with that, guys, I I gotta leave on a positive note. What's something positive? Eric Swalwell is running for president. How about that? Eric Swalwell is running for president of the United States. The man who threatened to nuke the country because if we don't give up our if we don't give up our guns, he said, "Look, well, we've got the nukes." That man is running for president of the United States. So if you thought that there wasn't enough, if you didn't think there was enough people in the circus already. Eric Swalwell is in the ring. There we go. The man who reminds me of what? Well, which Batman movie was that? Where with the half a face? It's puke Nukem. <laughs> he reminds me of that individual from that movie, and I, I, I apologize for for forgetting the name. But nonetheless, it is. The circus is in town and everyone's invited. Watch it out. Check it out and and keep laughing and have a good time um, because they are all nonsensical. And hopefully the country doesn't devolve itself even further than it already has. And let's see if we can get some better candidates coming out 2020, 2024, 2028. And let's see if we can make liberty. Let's see if we can legalize freedom once again, because right now it is a scary day in America and I'm leaving on a bad note, but I apologize. You guys have a great night. I will see you guys this Friday night, 7 PM Eastern. If you guys have not followed us here at muddy waters, follow us on, on Twitter muddied underscore waters follow us on the the facebook page on the youtube go check us out uh, muddied waters of freedom.com muddied waters of freedom.com you guys can follow me personally on my twitter account on my facebook page also on the uh patreon if you guys want to throw support be a subscriber out there as little as a dollar a month whatever it is i appreciate it all 
Um, I love you all. Thank you all for being here, for spending your Monday night with me. I am Mr. America, the Bearded Truth, Jason Lyon. Thank you for your support. Thank you for being here. And I hope you guys enjoy your week. I'll see you guys on Friday night. We'll have many more uh, great discussions to, to, to hit up. So have a good night, and I'll see you guys on Friday about 7 p.m. Eastern. Take care.